this morning to remind us that it is still lit this week as we're remembering why we have our hope. Because Jesus decided to leave his throne in heaven, come in the lowest of forms, and to live a life, to live the sacrificial, to give us our hope. And this morning, I want to light the candle for peace. Peace. Peace is a, is a thing that we often take for granted. Can I, can I be a little transparent? Um, this morning, I don't feel like I'm very good at the, the, the word for peace because... I feel like that my whole week has been a little chaotic, a little disheveled, a little lost. I don't know about you. Is that similar for your life? You might be going, okay, I got to get the last minute Christmas ideas for the kids. I got to get the last minute Christmas present for the wife, or I got to get something right because work's not doing right, or you're working in com the consumer industry where you're dealing with retail people. And let me be honest, people at this time of year, they get a little angry. Well, at least I got a uh-huh. <laughs> Have you never worked retail? One year I worked at a Best Buy store, and I said, okay, I'm 16 years old. I have to have a break every so often. They stuck us all in registers, and the second the manager came and said, you got to go on break, otherwise we're going to get in trouble with the state and the legal laws. And I watched the disdain on people as they realized that they hated me with everything that they had. And all I could look at them was say, hey, I have to obey what the manager says. But it starts wars. It starts struggles with people. For some reason, the Christmas season brings out the worst when it's supposed to bring out the best. I mean, if you think about it, Right now, I'm trying to avoid 224 like the plague because I already know if I get going down the road, going towards the target, that it's going to take me 30 minutes just to go two seconds down the road because everybody has all decided that it's game on. It's ready to go. And that's something that I think we need to look at. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I don't have it on the screen. But I want to read out of Luke chapter 2. And this is an account of, of where, where, where Luke is writing about the forecoming of Jesus and his arrival. And inside of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, it says, And in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Canaris, the governor of Syria, and all went out to be registered to each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, or went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to the firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. 
And it was in the same region that the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Let me say a little side rustle there. If God sent his angels and they started shining, I probably would have the same response as the shepherds. Oh, woe is me. What is going on? So I don't blame them for having great fear. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for hold. I bring to you good news and great of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothing, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with a great multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Father God, I need you. You know where my brain's been at, and it's been squirrely all over the place. But Lord, I just need you to straighten it out and let this be a message that we need to hear this morning. Touch us, Lord, as we remember the reason why we have hope. And more importantly, Lord, why we can have peace in the chaoticness in this life. So touch us, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, See, the story of Christmas is one that we have heard so many times. I could remember before I even got into church half the time, every year the Charlie Brown Christmas would come on and we'd watch the little pitiful Christmas tree and then Linus would get up at the very end and he would quote Luke chapter 2. I can remember waking up and going, okay, there's something about Christmas that I don't fully understand, but they have something in there. And I can remember watching the craziness that happened. We all know the story. We all know how, how Mary was, was, was all of a sudden being shown by God that she was going to give birth to a son that before she ever knew her fiancé, Joseph, before they were ever married, she was going to get pregnant. And we all knew the story where, where, where it seemed like it was going to be a whirlwind effect. And we all have heard the story about how when they got to Bethlehem, there was no room for them. And they had to have one of the world's worst delivery stories in, the, in history unfold in their lives and with the uncertainty of what was to come. You see, I can remember preaching about some topics because of the scientific knowledge of everything, but knowing how birth was going on, or how people gave birth back then, and the, and the cleanliness of everything that was going on, we know that there was a child-death ratio that was far greater than it is today. What do I mean? You give birth, and the likelihood of that child surviving to one year was very, very low. A lot of it was because of unsanitary issues where disease and bacteria and all that would, would get to the baby and it would just make them sick. So I can imagine what Mary was thinking when she got to Bethlehem and she was expecting to get into some sanitary hotel room-like situation and, and a place where the midwives could help her out. But when she got told, there's no room for you, there's only the leftovers. I can imagine her heart's 
dropping. I can imagine Joseph just going into a panic saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen. But I can also remember how when the angel told Mary what was going to happen, how she was going to give birth to the son, and he was going to be the son of God, he was going to be God among us, and that she should have peace and joy and hope and all these different things all at once. I could imagine her looking at her situation and saying, there's something different about this. God, I'm going to trust you in this. How have you been this, this year? Have you ever had seasons in your life where it seems like it's all going wrong and it just doesn't seem like you can trust God in the situation because it doesn't seem like it's going to matter or, or measure up right? Has that been your life? Let me tell you, that's been my day. I woke up this morning, I'm like, honey, I am so exhausted. We have to get ready for church. We got to get clothes ready. We got to figure out what's going to happen. We got so much to get done. The, the math doesn't add up. But there's something about when we serve a great God that we have and the hope that we have, and there's something about when we remind ourselves daily that we can have something settle in our lives. See, I get to, to go to God every single day of my life where I look at Him and I say, God, these are my struggles and my situations. I am not capable of handling them. But God, I'm going to give them to you to hold on and to trust. There's something about that power and something about that privilege that we have when we become his sons and daughters adopted through his son, through his blood, through his redemptive work at the cross, there's something about that that can transpire, that can change things. We have to remember every single day that we are promised this wonderful thing that's going to happen. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born, the Prince of Peace was established into our history books, into our story, into our lives, into our futures. The Prince of Peace. And we often overlook who he is in that aspect. Peace. What is peace? In our world today, we long for peace. We long for peace in the wars that we see in Ukraine against Russia. We long to see peace hit Israel as they're battling Hamas and, and Hezbollah. We long for peace in our streets as we're watching the chaoticness hit us all over the place. Where people are rising up shouting for one side because of the atrocities they had. We see people shout for, for peace all over the place because they want freedom. But we don't realize that peace is not what we long for so much. What do I mean? Peace's definition is calm. Or lack of confrontation is what it means. In my household, if there's peace, it means me and my wife have the same mind. And we're total agreement. Which does not happen all that often. If you've been married long enough, you know that doesn't always work. 
Isn't it, isn't it funny how God put two people to become one flesh, but yet we're constantly trying to divide ourselves because we can't think alike? Better yet, in your house, peace doesn't happen as long as you're sitting there trying to figure out who you can feed yourself. You see, peace is a definition that makes no sense. And I'm so thankful that it makes no sense. Because it reminds us of where we need to, to attach ourselves to. See, last week, Brother Jim preached a message on hope. Hope. The fulfillment of what Isaiah had spoken four to five hundred years before the book of Matthew and Jesus was ever written. Hope of where Isaiah, who was getting a word from God as he was looking at his nation, and he knows that they're all going to get into shambles and get it passed into to, to captivity back into Babylon, and they're looking for hope, and, and, and Isaiah's writing about how the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to restore the God's kingdom correctly in the proper place and the order. The hope that God is going to do the miraculous. They didn't realize it was going to take so long, though. In fact, after Babylon and after all that stuff has transpired and they start building the temple, we find that there is a whole season of hundreds of years where God does not speak at all through prophets that are written down. Where God is not communicating the promises and the hope that we have where God is not doing what they thought was going to happen. And it's in those moments that we find confusion and chaos. Kind of like now. I mean, if you think about it, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. He was born in the manger. We were told he's the Messiah, that he's the one that's fixing it. But yet... As we walk through the Christmas season, you see how we are not hearing from God like we should. We're not connecting to our creating God, to our, our saving God, our, our, our hoping God, the one that wants the relationship with us. And you see the dysfunction that flares up all over the place. Where it's like Black Friday, what it used to be, I should rephrase it, because it doesn't look like that anymore, Sister Amy. Do you remember hearing the stories about how so-and-so yanked and pulled somebody's hair out as they punched them over a TV set? Or better yet, over a Furby? Oh, you tell me you don't... Please tell me you remember what a Furby is. Oh, don't, tell, don't let me tell you. The new Furbies are creepy. They have digital eyes. They don't have these little fake eyes. And I can remember the CIA saying, you can't have a Furby because it's spying on you and we can't have it spying on you and all that crazy stuff. But what I'm trying to get at is, you see the craziness that comes into a world that doesn't hear from God. You see a craziness that comes into a, a people who don't hear from God, and there's something about that. And it's something where we lose sight of our hope. And if Jesus is not our hope, then what do we have? Because I tell you, I'm telling you, Star Wars has got it wrong. It's not Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's never going to be a Jedi master according to the Star Wars universe. It's never going to be Frodo Baggins carrying a, a, a ring to go save the hobbits. 
It's not going to be the fictional characters that we could have in our imagination. It's only going to be found in Christ. That's why he came in the most peculiar forms and the lowest forms and the most chaoticness of it in a way that, that honestly should have killed his life. Being born around a whole bunch of sheep and nasty, nasty excrement, excrement, and all of that stuff. But yet he came in the chaoticness. And in the moments that he, Mary holds him and wraps him, and she looks and he says, Let's put him in the manger as I find rest, as I get myself calmed down after I've just done the labor and the work of pulling this young man out of my womb and getting him into this world. And what we find is the story tells us that the angels start coming down and they start looking around and they show up at time and scare a whole bunch of shepherd boys out of their flock and they're, they're going, what is going on? And the next thing you knew is they start proclaiming, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is here. Christ the Lord is here. Hallelujah. He's the peace that you've not had. He's the one that you can hold on to every single day. He's the one that you can find and, and find your relief and your hope and all that you do. Because he's the fulfillment of what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 4 or 7, where it says, Therefore the Lord will give you a sign that he will be born of a virgin and, be, and, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We have the hope. We have the, this reassurance in there. And, but I think a lot of the times the church gets stuck on just hope. We get stuck just on the hope of, yes, we have a hope for tomorrow. We have a hope for the next day. But can I remind you that if he is the, the, uh, the Emmanuel and the, the God among us, that he is also the title that was given to him where he says he is the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. How does he bring peace in a chaoticness? He was born, and the next thing you know is he's having to run off to Egypt because King Herod wants to kill him because he's heard of the royalty, and it's caused a whole bunch of massacre and all of Bethlehem where all these boys around his age were all slaughtered because they thought they were going to win. How is that peace? It's not what you would imagine to be peace. But then we have to remember how peace comes in. So often peace comes through war sometimes, Chip. So often peace comes through tribulation. So often peace comes through the unlikely ways that we would never imagine. And that's what we see when we look at the story of Christmas where Jesus came and the angels started saying, hey, peace on earth. Peace on earth to those who love God. Peace on earth to those who pursue after him. Peace on earth to those whom he is pleased. You see, what we often think that the whole story of the, the, the Jesus coming on the earth was all about just restoring the kingdom, which it is. But it's about riding the ship right in our own lives. 
It's about correcting the course of the dysfunction that's kicked into our lives because we've allowed ourselves to get tied up into the muck as the water's trying to raise us back up so we can float properly once again. But how do we get peace in our lives? Oh, this is a fun one. You ready for this one? The things I've encountered in my life tell me this is how peace goes. Is like what Isaiah chapter 53 says. Who has believed your report? And whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before, and him he is a tender plant and a root out of the ground. And there is no form or coming in this. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Or there is beauty that we should, or there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and iniquity with grief. And we hid, as it was there, our faces with him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, or we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded by our, by our transgression, for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. He was the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned one way to another, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity that is upon all of us. It's not a normal Christmas scripture. That's an Easter scripture. But it's something that the Lord has laid on my heart because what we have to realize is that the peace that we're longing for, this, this comfort that we're trying to get through in this life, is always going to go and be connected with the truth that we can only get it through him. Jesus didn't come on the world in the lowest of forms just to give it to us. It was a proclamation of the thing that was coming 33 years later. It wasn't saying that life was all going to be roses and it was going to be good and everything was going to work out just right. Peace on earth. But Lord, it's a mess all the time. Lord, my wife doesn't get along with me. Lord, my kids, oh, I don't. Is it just me in my house? At least I'm not the only one. But what I'm trying to get at is, is we think that it all has to work out according to our plan. But can I tell you, his plan's greater. There's a reason why when my life seems like it's a raveled mess and it feels like it's going to unravel every which way, all I can do is look at the one who was smitten, who is not esteemed by this world, who wants to reject it, and I have to look at him and say, you're the only hope I have. Give me the peace that I can get through this and the reassurance that I have hope for tomorrow. That's why we have to hold on to the fact that the chastisement of our peace, the pain that comes from the, that gives us the peace, is upon him. He's the one that bore it all to allow us to have that hope. He's the one that decided that he was going to bankrupt heaven to allow us to have peace when there should be no peace. To have doubt reassured because of what he can do. To have hope that is reestablished every single day of our lives. 
But there is too many of us that go through the days where we allow the world to invade so much so that we cannot find our peace. We have so many of us that would rather walk around in our chaoticness and say, Lord, I can't do it all on my own, but Lord, I can't trust you with it. Let me tell you, if he is the one that really bore all of it for us and said that I'm going to go for you and I'm going to give you the hope and everything that you need in this life, it's time for us to start putting that all upon him once again. But how do we do that? Daily. Daily. There is not a day that I wake up that I don't say, God, I, or God, I can do this all on my own today. I'm good. Let me just do it. Let me tell you, there's not a Christmas season that I don't get through that I don't have to say, God, I'm looking at this season and I'm thankful for what you've done. But God, it's crazy and it's chaotic and I can't do this on my own. There's too much pressure about trying to buy Christmas presents. There's too much pressure about trying to make sure everybody's happy. There's too much pressure about not getting into a car wreck out of road rage because people are all stupid around me. There's too much pressure for you in your own life to where you can't walk through this life fully surrendering God every single day, saying, God, I need you to take this from me. God, I need this peace that goes beyond all, or goes beyond all understanding to kind of ensue me. There's a reason why I have found that the peace that we have to hope on, that we have to keep reminding ourselves for every season, it's the peace that can come in when it all looks like it's going to fall apart. I was reminded of the story. Brother Chip, you'll kind of laugh at this one here. I, we were on a vacation. We, me and my wife went to Virginia Beach. We had never been there before. We had all of our kids, minus Nora, because she wasn't even a glimmer of a thought. And we were coming home, and I get a call saying, hey, your job's gone. Yeah, you, you, and my wife's like, um, you're the sole breadwinner. How are we going to pay? And I, and I start going, I don't know. And we're sitting there driving. Melissa's trying to calculate everything. And I was like, honey, I don't know what this is. And the next thing I know is, you, you don't realize, months before this, I taught Sunday school in my old church where I'd take the teenagers, and we'd have 40 kids in a little room and giving them donuts, and they'd be having fun back there. But these kids one day said, hey, there's this new app called Sprinkles of Jesus. And I was like, what? Sprinkles of Jesus? They said, yeah, it just gives you like a daily devotional. And, and, and it's kind of cool. It, it kind of goes. And they occasionally try to sell you some kind of Christian something or another. I was like, okay. So I downloaded the app. And I was like, hey, let's just see what it is. This app never sent me a notification in my life. This app... If it would, everybody said it's one time a day. I said, I, I can deal with that. You know, you don't want to get overly abused by these, these apps on your phones. Well, anyway, we're driving. We're trying to calculate. Next thing I know is I get a little thing saying, Sprinkles of Jesus has sent you a message. And I said, okay. It says, trust not in your understanding. Lean not on your, uh, lean not on your own strength. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. And I was like, honey, I don't know what this is, but this is funny. The next thing I know is 20 minutes later, I get another one that says, just trust God. 
And then 15 minutes later, I get one. The peace of God is beyond all understanding. And I'm like, honey, I don't know what this thing is. I think it's listening to our conversation. I think China's hacked us. <laughs> and she, she looks at me and says, I have no clue. We got home and the uncertainty hit in, but I was like, honey, I don't know what's going on. But I'm going to trust God. He came on this world for something, and he's doing something in our lives. All I know is what I feel in my spirit is I need to trust God, and according to Spirit of Jesus, I need to as well. She rolled her eyes at me and says, ah, we got to figure this all out. I'm just being real. I'm the overly spiritual one in the household. But anyway, we went through the season, and God just showed his favor. God gave peace when where was no peace. God gave hope when there seemed no hope. And that's what he does. That's what he longs to do in each and every one of our lives. He longs to awaken up something within us that we have no power to awaken as long as we pursue him. And it comes through the pursuit of every single day remembering why we have our hope, why we have our peace. Because when we can hold on to those things, we see the difference rooted through our lives that can bring greater spiritual truths in all of us. But it comes through the surrender. Brother Jim, you beat me, but I'm going to have you stand this morning. If you'll stand with me this morning. Let me tell you, Brother Chip, sprinkles of Jesus. After that trip, I didn't hear from it for months. Was it God speaking through an app? I truly believe he was. I think he can use anything, even the devil sometimes, even China sometimes, as they're looking through and trying to spy on us. He can do anything he wants to for us. But I also know that if he's speaking to us, we need to start listening. I truly believe that we need to remember that he's speaking to each and every one of us. And that the angels of the Lord were speaking to the shepherds at the time, but they were also speaking to us still today as we read the word and take it into our lives. That peace on earth to those whom he is pleased is still happening every single day. But we have to choose in that walking in good standing with God. We have to choose to walk in that relationship with God every single day. It's not easy. God, I don't need you today, but I, I, got, it, I got my plans. And God's saying, no. I want you to follow my plans. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Plans to prosper you. Plans to do all kinds of wonderful things. But you have to seek me first. Amen. You have to look for me and all that I am and all that I do to awaken up this peace within your situations. Does that mean it's not going to be turbulent? No. It's going to get crazy, crazy. Did I say crazy, crazy enough? It's going to get a little wild sometimes. It's not going to look like we want it to sometimes. But he's faithful. And he brings peace when there should be no peace. Hope when there's no hope. But that's who God is. If you bow your heads with me this morning. Father God, Lord, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you give us peace, Lord, when there should be no peace. I thank you that you came on the world stage, Lord, like you did to remind us that peace can come through some really crazy avenues. And even though we look at our lives and think that they might be messes, Lord, you're still moving. 
So God, I ask you to touch each and every one of us in this place. I ask you to touch our hearts and our minds. I ask you to reassure each and every one of us, Lord, of, of what we have, Lord, as we reflect daily of the real reason for the season. That we have peace that can go beyond all understanding in our lives as we pursue you and trust you and our life's plan and say, God, you can have it all. That's what we need right now, Lord, is more of you and less of us. So God, as we go through the motions, as we go through the season, as we go through each and every single day, of re, we, we need that reassurance, Lord, of what you're doing in our lives. So God, I ask you to speak to us, Lord, as we walk surrendered to you. God, touch each and every one of us, Lord, today. Touch those that are not here with us that might be sick or afflicted, Lord, and, and, or traveling like Brother Samuel is, Lord, going to Ghana. Just be with each and every one of us, Lord, and guide our bodies, guide our lives, and guide our hope, Lord, in all that we are as we walk fully surrendered to you, Lord. Lord, have your way in our lives, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, church, we love you all. Go and be the reminder of the reason for the season in the world as you go and love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and go love your neighbor as yourself. Go and be the church. We'll see you guys soon.